My name is Mark. Miraculously, I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, I get to spend most of my time working with the youth here and, and really enjoy that, but uh, every now and then, uh, in moments of extreme desperation, uh, they, the leaders of the church ask me to open God's Word with you, uh, and this morning is going to be one of, those, uh, one of those mornings. So uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to, to get to share with you guys. I, I'm encouraged by what God has put on my heart uh, to share with you. Uh, I am a, a dad. I have two daughters. Uh, so about this time last year, our family went to the movie Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, if you aren't familiar with it, it was the long-awaited sequel to the original Mary Poppins. It actually showed up about 50 years uh, after the original. Uh, and I won't spoil it for you. That's Pastor Adam's job. He likes to spoil the endings of movies. We all have our thing. Um, <laughs> But man, they like to sing in that movie. That's, that's, that was my takeaway. And as, as we were driving home from the theater, a uh, conversation broke out uh, in our van, and each person was discussing what their favorite song was from the movie. And when it came time for me uh, to answer that question as to my own personal favorite song, uh, my answer was, whichever song came on, one of the credits started rolling. <laughs> because that meant that the movie was over. Um, so I will just say, musicals are not my thing, um, and that's putting it pretty lightly. So when Pastor Eric uh, asked me to preach, he told me that I could pick from any song in the Bible. He said I could pick whichever one was my favorite. And I just remember thinking, I didn't know I needed to have one of those. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to be on the test, and what had I gotten myself into by volunteering to preach? But it took a little while, and, and I thought about it. I was able to come up with a, with a passage that I enjoyed, that I liked, that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, I had originally sort of thought of the passage as, as more of a prayer, but after some further studying, realized that it was, it was sort of a combination of a, a prayer and a song. And so I think that, that ties in with our uh, theme for the, the series, Songs of the Saints, that we're doing uh, here right now. But before we do that, I want to play just a little game and get you guys involved. I could use your help and see where we as a church stand on some important issues. I have some questions about the, the proper pronunciation of words, okay? We're going to draw some good hard dividing lines in the sand right before Thanksgiving. Okay, the colorful thing that children draw with. Do you say crayon or crayon? All right, so crayon Hands, hands, crayon, okay, crayon. All right, you're right, okay. <laughs> All right, so you want to leave Alaska in the winter, you want to go somewhere warm. Do you go to the Caribbean or do you go to the Caribbean? All right, so Caribbean, all right, where the pirates are, and Caribbean, there we go. All right, you guys are right. <laughs> I, didn't, I forgot to tell you to keep score. Um, Thanksgiving's coming up, and, and maybe there's going to be perhaps a pie on your table. Will it be a, a pecan pie or a pecan pie? All right. So where's pecan? Oh, my. Okay. I dare. Where's pecan? All right. God bless you and your steady faithfulness and loneliness. All right. I, I personally, I'm, I'm not uh, an Alaskan. Um, I, I was not born here. That's why... Um, a lot of reasons. Uh, <laughs> I was born in a, in a state in the Pacific Northwest. Would you call the state that I was born in Oregon or Oregon? So Oregon, 
Okay, there we go, couple. Okay, all right. Oregon? Thank you. Okay, yes, I was born in Oregon. All right, then now we get to the crucial one. This morning, we're going to study this prophet of Judah who had the nerve to voice his frustration with God. This morning, shall we call him Habakkuk or Habakkuk? All right, Habakkuk. Where are my Habakkuk's at? All right, where's my Habakkuk's at? All right. I can honestly tell you I have no idea which one I'm going to use for the next 30 minutes, not based on the survey. Um, I, I think I grew up saying... Um, Habakkuk, and now I think I switch more to, to Habakkuk. Uh, and so I'm just going to ask for grace from, from each of you for whatever comes out of my mouth that we can just all agree that, that it's tough. Um, so which I'm just going to make that a general part of my introduction to ask for grace for whatever comes out of my mouth, um, if you've ever met me. <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a minute to, to find Habakkuk uh, in your Bibles, uh, and uh, we'll be looking at all three chapters this morning, but particularly focusing on the third one, uh, which is his song. Uh, and so with that, uh, I mean, while well, you guys are flipping or scrolling or however you get there, uh, let me pray for us uh, in our time together this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that, that we can come to you in prayer. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful that we can, can bring our, our hearts and our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions, that we can bring these and lay them at your feet. And Heavenly Father, we're going to see that this morning as, as Habakkuk does that. And, and, and Lord, there's a, sometimes a tough process as we work through your responses and your replies. And uh, sometimes, Lord, your, your absence and your patience. Uh, but Heavenly Father, let, let me not um, forget how thankful I am that we can do that. That I have a Heavenly Father that loves me. That I have a Heavenly Father that desires for me to bring the burdens of my heart uh, to him. Heavenly Father, may we continue to do that. May we continue to, to not uh, lean on our own strength, but to bring uh, our troubles and our burdens and the weights that we carry, may we bring them and lay them down at your feet as the good Father who loves us. Heavenly Father, help us as we learn uh, to trust in your responses and your replies and in the ways that you work. God, open your word this morning. If, if maybe this is a book that, that, that we haven't read before, or haven't studied, uh, may it speak uh, very clearly and very loud. Uh, and Lord, maybe if this is a passage that, that you're, someone's very familiar with, may it be seen in a new light, and may your truth come through uh, anew. So Lord, I ask for your help this morning uh, as I teach. Uh, give me your wisdom. Uh, may your words speak clearly uh, from, from the Bible. Amen. Have you ever had the nerve to tell God that he's not doing a good job? Uh, I know at times I think it. Uh, I'm not sure if I always would have the confidence to say it directly, uh, to God or have the courage to say it to his face. Um, but this is where we're going to find ourselves this morning as we approach uh, Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk was alive during the divided kingdom of the nation of Israel, and, and his prophecies concerned the area of Judah and particularly Jerusalem. Um, he was a prophet, and, and as we'll see here a little bit later today, a bit of a songwriter. Uh, he, he was doing something that, that might have tied into to what David actually set up, if you uh, want to study this week and look in First Chronicles 25, uh, we see that David actually instructed some men to, to work in the temple as prophets and also as musicians. So there was this sort of combination uh, of music and prophecy. Uh, so perhaps uh, Habakkuk comes from that tradition as we see both of those elements uh, in his writing here today. Uh, we have it recorded that, that Habakkuk calls out to God at the beginning 
of the book. He says this, starting in verse 2. He says, How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen, or cry to you, Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Well, without going line by line, we get the picture of a place where things aren't going very well. And we see that Habakkuk calls out to God. He asks him a question, says, where is the justice? It says, violence, injustice, wrongdoing are everywhere that Habakkuk looks. He says the law is paralyzed and justice is perverted. You get the sense that this may not be the first time that he's brought this up, uh, that perhaps he feels ignored. How long, Lord, must I call for help? He says, God, your, your world is broken. And as far as your chosen people go, they're really botching it. They're messing it up. God, you need to do something about this. Things are not the way that they are supposed to be, and I'm not okay with it, and God, you shouldn't be either. So Habakkuk's not the first uh, biblical character to bring this kind of complaint to God. We, we, we see other characters call out to God and say, how long? Famously, David uh, in Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forgive Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? I, I bet if both of these men were standing here in this room, I'm guessing it, it would be fairly safe to say that they're not the only ones here that have ever felt that way. How long, Lord? Habakkuk can't believe that a, that a good and righteous and a holy God can just sit back and watch all this go on, let alone force Habakkuk to watch it and without doing something about it. And so he asked, God, what are you doing? And at this point, uh, Habakkuk is let in on a privilege that you and I don't usually get when we voice a complaint to God, but God actually responds directly to him. But God's response isn't exactly what Habakkuk was expecting. God's going to respond. He's going to say, justice is on the way. He says, we're going to get things back in order. I, I will bring justice, but I will not bring it in the way that you are expecting. Picking up in verse 5, look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. So God responds, says, you're right, Habakkuk. These people, my people, they need a wake-up call, and I have just the answer. He says, are you familiar with the, the Babylonians the, the, and their terrifying armies? I bet an invasion from those people will get my people listening again. What do you say to that, Habakkuk? This is not an easy pill for him to swallow. The ruthlessness of the Babylonians was very well known in that day, and, and Habakkuk's going to have a hard time aligning what God just said with what he knows about God, and perhaps he, he misunderstood. Perhaps that's not exactly what God meant. 
And so Habakkuk tries again. He, he rephrases the question to see if he can get a different answer. He says, God, you call that justice? Those, those evil people, that's your definition of justice? Verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? He can't believe that that's how God is going to respond. He's going, yeah, sure, our nation, as I mentioned, we're a train wreck, but is that really the solution? Now, for the, for the past six weeks uh, at our house, we have had a broken dishwasher. Uh, it has been a season of sadness in our home. Um, what would you feel if when I, I come home and my wife goes, oh, the dishwasher's broken, and I just throw up my hands and go, fine, let's burn the whole house down and start over. <laughs> Whoa, I think we have Lowe's, and we're going to be okay. Like, we can work through this. But that's what I, I feel like that's how Habakkuk is understanding God's response here. Hey, something's wrong here. And God's like, oh, yeah, something's wrong. We're going to fix it. And he's like, whoa, is that really the solution, God? I like the way that, that Habakkuk closes his uh, speaking here. And actually, it's the first verse of chapter 2. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He says, God, I'm going to give you a time to do it over. That was a good first try. That was a good rough draft. Let's take another crack at it, okay? I don't want to rush you, God. So I'm going to go up on the wall over there, and I'm going to just wait. I'm going to give you some time. You can think it over, and you can get back to me, all right? But God's response, again, is not what Habakkuk is expecting. He tells him that justice will prevail in due time. Verse 2 of chapter 2. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. God says, I didn't stutter. Don't need a do-over. I meant what I said. So much so that I, I want you to write it down so that everyone can see it. Write it real big. Write it in caps. Use all the emojis you've got. Get the word out. Judgment is coming. God says, my people and I, my chosen people, we have this agreement going back to the very beginning, and their obedience is met with blessing, and their disobedience is met with discipline. He says, this isn't new. This isn't an amendment. I'm just going back to the original contract. Deuteronomy 12 says this from the Lord, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed before you. So you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Not a lot of subtlety there. Not a lot of nuance. And there's a warning from God. Think twice before you quickly click accept on the end user license agreement when it comes to God. Look closely at the fine print in the contract when you accept to be God's chosen people. Because with disobedience comes discipline. And he says discipline is coming and it's going to come at the hands of the Babylonians. 
But in time, Babylonia, Babylon will get what's coming to them. It says, justice will prevail in due time. I am not ignoring them. I am not ignoring their evil. It's just not their time to be judged yet. It's your time. It says, you need to write this down. Discipline is coming, and it's warranted, and it's going to be ugly. But it doesn't mean that I'm not good. It doesn't mean that I'm not watching. In fact, it's because I am good and because I desire what's best for you that I'm going to allow this to happen. It's a repeated theme throughout the Bible that discipline grows out of God's love for us. And as parents, we all nod our head in agreement and say, clearly, discipline is based in love, right? But as the person being disciplined, we often shake our head, no, our emotional reaction is that it doesn't feel like love in those moments, but it is. God closes the the very end of chapter 2 with with this little statement. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. God says, I have spoken and just drops the mic. You got to know who I am. So what is Habakkuk's response to this? It's clear that God isn't going to change his mind. Judgment will soon come upon himself and his people and it's going to be bad. And here's where I think we're supposed to sort of start uh, engaging with the story and seeing ourselves in the story. Because up to this point, uh, it's easy to see a story that that happened to somebody else a a, a long time ago and and have a certain disconnect. Does the obedience of Judah really have any bearing on you right now? And if I was honest about myself, like, no, not really. Like, that's their problem, right? But I found myself in situations like this. I, I can say that I have disagreed uh, with God, and, and I've called out to God at times, and it's not always been met with the answers that I'm looking in for. And so I see some relation between myself and Habakkuk, and I, I hope that you do as well. How does your heart respond when you and God aren't on the same page, when you don't, dis- when you don't agree? And life is full of all sorts of opportunities for this, all sorts of trouble. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's a broken relationship, an unexpected tragedy or trauma, a terrifying diagnosis, the loss of a loved one. And we just want God to fix it. But instead, we hear something back from God that that at times things are going to get worse before they get better that there isn't going to be a quick fix. And it's in this situation that we see the genuine faith and trust of Habakkuk. So we're not told how, how long it took, but Habakkuk responds. We don't know how long he had to sit on that, but, but there came a point where he was ready to reply back to the Lord. And so he does that in this prayer. He does that in this song that takes up chapter three. And Habakkuk says this, God, I have heard from you and I will rejoice. And he uses two different perspectives to help him swallow this tough pill. And the first one is that he he looks up and he looks up and he sees God's power and creation and he focuses on who God is. Verse two, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. 
God came from Timon, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the earth, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his step. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. Look at all of the, the ways that God's visible power is on display. He points to the sunrise. He points to lightning. He points to plagues and earthquakes and storms. Habakkuk says everything on this earth bows before its creator. I'm guessing most of us have had to make a, a resume before. It can be a pretty humbling experience uh, without taking some creative license. Perhaps we're not all as awesome as we think that we are. But look at the resume that Habakkuk brings up of God. He points to one word, creation. The God of creation, the God that made all this, the God who, who all of this responds to. And it's kind of the, the checkmate of all resumes. As Habakkuk is wrestling with what's about to happen, he, he decides to remind himself of the tremendous power of the God who created everything. I mean, it took me two months to build a woodshed. God spoke creation into existence. Like, we're on a different power level here. And Habakkuk is comforted by that. He may have questions about the plan, but he doesn't doubt the power. And the second way that, that, that he responds, the second thing that he looks back at is he sees God's faithfulness in the history of Israel. He looks at what God has done for his people, how he has used his power for his people. Picking up in verse 11. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in your anger you threshed you thresh the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in, in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great water. We see God using his creation, his power of creation, to protect and to deliver his people. That's what Habakkuk points to here. Whether that's the plagues that God used in Egypt or crossing the Red Sea or the destruction of Jericho. See, not only is he the God of creation, he is the God of Israel who has used his power on behalf of his people. So in times of uncertainty, Habakkuk reminds himself of all the things that God has done for Israel. And that is the same God that he's dealing with today. God hasn't changed. There's a, a theological term called immutability, uh, which means that God is not able to change. God can't not be holy. God can't not be loving. Uh, he, he can't not be righteous. That God is those things and that cannot change. And it is that principle that helps us and helps Habakkuk to find comfort in God's track record. Just because things aren't going our way doesn't mean we caught God on a bad day. It just means that God, in his infinite wisdom, is choosing to do things differently than we would in our limited wisdom and limited perspective. Us not fully understanding does not make God wrong. 
It takes about 15 verses of, of Habakkuk's song of, of his prayer to kind of give himself a pep talk to reach where, where we really want to park today and, and focus on, uh, and that's starting in verse 16. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. My legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nations invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. What an awesome passage of scripture. Amen? So Habakkuk answers the question, how should we respond to God when, when we don't necessarily agree with his plan? And he tells us this, the righteous will live by faith. It's a theme carried over, uh, and we actually, we see New Testament writers pick up on, on this as well and use that same phrase, the righteous will live by faith. It's so easy to say it. It rolls off the tongue nicely. It's a whole other thing to get ourselves to a point of actually believing it and actually living it out. I think we get to see the whole emotional journey here with, with Habakkuk from the very beginning of chapter one and his complaint to his statement of faith that closes out chapter three. Now, Pastor Eric last week talked about the role that lament and sadness can play in the life of a Christian and, and how often we're, we're scared as Christians to let other, other Christians experience sadness and, and lament. It makes us uncomfortable. And Pastor Eric made the statement last week, and he said this as kind of his key point, to lament is to begin a journey towards praise. And I think that's a wise statement. But there's an important word in that phrase that I think we watch play out here in the book of Habakkuk. That's the word journey. To lament is to begin a journey towards praise. You see, lament is not a destination. Lament is a location that we may find ourselves in. And I think when we find ourselves there, we tend to be drawn to, to one of two extremes, to either just get stuck there, and let the sadness and lament begin to define us and, and, and who we are in our relationship with the Lord. Or, or other ways that we try to move on so quickly, because real Christians aren't sad, right? We're, we rejoice in the Lord always, just get over it, move on. But I don't think we learn either of those here from Habakkuk. Uh, one commentator I was reading this week, he, he tried to, to make a, a parallel between uh, the things that Habakkuk says and, and a correlation between them and the five stages of grief. Um, I, I don't think it lines up perfectly to be a direct uh, application, uh, but I think that it does help make the point of the process of things that he has to work through to get to that point of trust, that point of faith, that he had to journey through that lament and that loss and that sadness to reach there. It doesn't just happen in an instant. Doing it well often takes time. And it's not a journey to be avoided. If Habakkuk just rattled off what he said at the end of chapter 3, at the very beginning, at chapter 1, it, it likely would not have been genuine faith. 
it would have probably just been lip service. This is what I'm supposed to say. This is how I'm supposed to feel. But he worked through the process, and he looked to God, and he was able to come to a point where he could say, I will live by faith. I trust you. I think in those moments, it's so easy to just kind of have some of these canned responses and canned answers. Maybe we give them to ourselves. Maybe we quickly give them to, to other people uh, when they're going through seasons of struggle and, and seasons uh, of disagreement with God and his plans. Uh, I think a common one that, that we go to is Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6. And, and I think it is a great verse to go to uh, in our struggle. But you have to make sure that you look at exactly what it says. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. The true wisdom doesn't just trust God only when God's plan lines up with our plan. True wisdom trusts God's plan first. You see, God tells us that faith precedes understanding, not the reverse. We must trust the Lord even when we do not understand everything. Faith precedes understanding not the opposite. It sounds simple. Uh, when you just say it, it's a whole other issue to actually have to do it. In, in, a, in a group of this size, the, the wounds and the, the hurt and, and the things that we're carrying around, this is not hypothetical. We live in a broken world and, and we ourselves are broken. What is the song of sadness in your heart right now? What is something that you're lamenting through? I mean, we're supposed to be heading into a week filled with thankfulness, right? So, so that's where we're all at. What is the anchor in your heart right now that doesn't need to be ignored? It needs to be acknowledged and unpacked before the Lord. Are you trying to, to understand it, it better so that you can respond to that hurt in faith? Are you willing to trust God with it, even if that doesn't mean solving it? Trusting God doesn't magically make everything all right. Certainly not what it meant to Habakkuk, and it's not what we are promised either. Life is hard. Life hurts. We're heading into a season that we're told we should all be filled with thankfulness, but is that really where you're at? If we were to go around this room and take all of our burdens and our thankfulnesses and lay them out on the table, I'd be scared to guess which side of the table would have more on it. At some point, we find ourselves asking the questions about God's goodness that, that Habakkuk asks this morning for us. And I know I've had to work through these questions in my life as, as you have. There have been times where, where my faith and my trust in God have been tested. Uh, I'll share with you guys uh, one particular time that stands out in my heart uh, a number of years back when my mom got sick. Uh, and some of you guys know the story of this, but uh, she went in for a, a surgery, and she got an infection, and that infection began to take over her body. And she ended up, she ended up in the ICU and was there in a medically induced coma. And I remember I was going to school at the time, and I was working on my homework, and I would take my homework, and I would go sit in the ICU with her. I remember one of those times there was a service here at the church. I think we used to have a Thanksgiving Eve service back in the day. Um, and I remember I drove from the ICU to church for the Thanksgiving Eve service. Uh, and I remember sitting in the back of the room in that corner. And uh, I remember thinking at that moment, 
I don't know if I'll see her again. Not this side of heaven. And I was sitting here, and they were worshiping, and I remember sitting back there going, I don't know if I can say that. And I'm not the most emotional guy. This is not normal for me. But my heart was just broken as I had to sit back there and ask myself, do I really think God is good right now? But I came to the conclusion that nothing had changed about God. Amen? That the things that I had believed months prior to that when my mom was healthy, whereas 100% true in that moment, that was when she wasn't. Just because my circumstances changed did not mean that God had. Did not mean that God had forgotten me. Did not mean that God didn't love me. At that moment, I didn't know what was around the corner. I didn't know what the next step was. But I trusted, and I worshiped. And I said, God, whatever's around the corner... You're walking through this with me, amen? Listen to the words of Habakkuk. Let them wash over you. Back there at the end of chapter 3. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I don't know what's sitting on your heart. I don't know what you're working through. But I think we're reminded this morning that the righteous will live by faith. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done, both uh, as we see in the history of of Israel, the history of your scriptures, and Lord, in the history of our own lives. Thank you that we can hold on to those anchors, hold on to those moments that we have seen you at work, that we have seen your goodness, that we have seen your power. Heavenly Father, uh, if there are those of us in here this morning that are shaken, that are struggling, that are hurting, Lord, may they grab on to you and not try to walk through this alone, and not try to walk through this in their own power. Lord, may we trust you even when the plan isn't going the way that we want it. Because God, you are God, and you are good, and you love us. Help us to know that. Help us to trust that. Help us to live that. Amen.